Good morning to each of you this morning. Uh, You can turn to Isaiah 38. My sermon this morning is uh, from Isaiah 38 and 39. Uh, It's the life of Hezekiah uh, when Hezekiah was sick and uh, nigh unto death and he Pled with the Lord and received uh, 15 years extension on his life. I really didn't think too much about this uh, until this morning that um, some subjects are fairly sensitive uh, to preach about or or have a conversation with someone about. And uh, I think health is one of those. Uh, I think another subject is finances. And uh, maybe another one is uh, when you get in a conversation with someone about where they are in their spiritual progress or uh, struggles they have or sins they, uh, temptations they deal with, how, how can they change? They, these are the kind of subjects that are somewhat sensitive and uh, uh, from that perspective I was thinking this morning really uh, this, this should have been a Sunday school lesson rather than a sermon and that way you know we could have a an exchange of ideas, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't have to uh, uh, maybe act like I'm the final word on something. I'm not the final word, but uh, Isaiah 38 begins this way. In those days, Hezekiah became sick and, and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die. You shall not recover. Now I wonder, here are some questions of, to consider. Have you ever been in an overwhelming trouble and thought you were going to die or thought you were on your deathbed or or maybe in an overwhelming trouble and wished you could die uh, i'll just say i've been in a few of these kinds of situations not uh, not physically but other kinds uh, i was in one situation that one of my good friends told me that that he thought uh, that situation was uh, like like the bombing of Pearl Harbor, which I think it was somewhat similar. But that's just the question: Have you been in overwhelming trouble, great distress? And what did you do? Have you ever made a poor decision because you were 
looking only at the immediate circumstances and and you forgot about uh, longer term issues, the results. Uh, or here's another kind of question. Have you ever made a poor decision because you were looking only, uh, you were only trying to avoid pain or trouble or conflict right now? So you decided something and it really wasn't that wise. Or have you ever made a poor decision when life was going well for you? Because that's an issue. It's not just when life is hard that people make poor decisions. Sometimes make a poor decision when, when life is going really well and everything is working. So I think this passage this morning with Hezekiah actually speaks to, I think we see all of these kinds of things here in this passage. Uh, the first thing that I'd like to talk a little bit about, and this is where we need a Sunday school class, uh, what is the reason for the trouble in the world? What is the reason for our trouble? Why was Hezekiah sick? And, and this is kind of a dangerous question, you know. Uh, so I think, first of all, I want to say that I think the Heavenly Father created a good universe. And he had good intentions toward his creation. And he did not create the universe and people selfishly out of, his, out of what he could get out of it. I think he created the world and people so they could experience uh, to a measure what he experienced, what the Father and Son and Holy Spirit experienced within their relationship. I'm saying that I think he created for the, for the welfare of people, uh, his creation. So I'm saying in that that I believe uh, God is good. And I think some of us struggle with the question, is God good? Is that why we have trouble? Because God is against us. And I don't think that's the issue. I don't think that's what's true. Uh, the idea that God is good, I think, is, is demonstrated most clearly in, in the life, the person of Jesus Christ. So the reason for our trouble has something to do with Satan. Isaiah 14, uh, this statement about Satan, it says, I, he said, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. So... All of that speaks of an independent, I want to be like God's spirit that was rooted in, I believe, uh, 
Satan's dissatisfaction, I'm not sure how all this is possible, but his dissatisfaction about his place in the kingdom and ungratefulness about the good things he enjoyed, and then there was this jealousy and pride and self-worship. Those are, I think, the things that the Bible says about how sin entered the heaven and how it entered the world. And then uh, Satan, of course, uh, had this conversation with Eve and then with Adam. But th this is the way that trouble entered the world and the fall and uh, the doubting of God's goodness and Eve choosing to take care of herself and, in, and, and uh, enjoy something that God said not to, that wasn't, she wasn't free to. And ever since then, the world has been groaning, according to Romans 8, there's a groaning in the world and there is sickness in the world. And so one of my points here is that not, not all sickness, not all trouble in the world is a result of some sinful choice on our part. And uh, <clears throat> so uh, I won't give the details of this, but uh, Mary Sue and I, had a, we've had a conversation for about the last 24 hours about uh, the cause of certain uh, physical symptoms. And... Uh, you know, you, you can really delve into this, you know, and what have you been eating and what have you been thinking and what have you been doing and how does this contribute to how you feel and, and on and on, you know. And, uh, well, you know, sometimes, sometimes we need to uh, correct our diet and we need to change our attitudes and whatever else and all of this might help, but sometimes we're sick. We're just sick and... It's, um, the world is groaning. So, just a few more comments about our troubles. Uh, they, they, uh, the issues surround the condition in which we're born and the devil's work in the world and the, and the uh, effects of the fall and, and the, the, um, it's, it's just what, what the world is prior to the final redemption. Um, the imperfect circumstances of our lives. And uh, sometimes our troubles are the result of thing, unpleasant things people do. Um, their fallenness, their sinfulness, and our own sometimes. And in all of this, the freedom of choice, it, it is part of the troubles around us. And sometimes it's hard to uh, put our finger on exactly what it is. So here we have Hezekiah, and it says that he's about to die, and it doesn't really give a reason. There's no reason given. Now, I want us to look at, at what Hezekiah did about this and what God did and then um, the sequence of, of events and I want to make a few applications. 
some things for us to consider. So verses, um, Isaiah came, came and told him, you know, you're, you're going to die. So beginning in verse 2, uh, I'll read several verses. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, Please, O Lord, remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Now, <clears throat> I think generally um, we could say that Hezekiah was a good king in many ways. He restored uh, the worship of Jehovah, but I think in this situation he, he uh, failed in some respects, especially a little further on here. But here's what he said when he, when he discovered he was, he was going to die. He said to God, well, I, first of all, I think it was commendable that he turned to God. But he said, I have walked in truth. My heart has been loyal to you, and I have been a righteous man. And I think that those, kind of, those statements, I think, were basically true in, in many respects. Now, if, if we could just have a conversation, what do you make of this that he wept bitterly? What, what was that about? Now, I wish we had Sunday school here. <laughs> he wept bitterly. Now, I don't know if I'm right about this. That, that to me almost sounds like he felt like he wasn't getting what he deserved. That's how that sounds. I was a good man and I don't deserve to die. Now maybe that's not why he wept bitterly, but it almost seems like he views his impending death as God punishing him and, and not as a, just the result of living in a fallen world and we will all, we will all die. I'm not trying to be... Uh, negative here this morning, but this, this is the reality. So that's his prayer, like, Lord, have mercy on me. Why? Why? So God's response, beginning in verse 4, then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, go and say to Hezekiah, thus says the Lord, the God of David your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria and will defend this city. This, this shall be the sign to you from the Lord that the Lord will do this thing that he has promised. Behold, I will make the shadow cast by the declining sun on the dial of Ahaz turn back 10 steps. So the sun turned back on the dial the ten steps by which it had declined. And I, I think that's uh, something about the sun standing still. I'm, I'm not quite sure how that was. But anyway, it was a sign. So here's what God said. 
I've seen your tears and, and will add 15 years to your life. And God's response really was, I would use the word gracious. It was a gracious response. Even, even if there was something not quite okay about his prayer, God's response was gracious. And so a question to consider is how often has God heard and answered your bitter complaint? I think it's okay to cry out to God and to weep bitterly. I think it is. Uh, I think some of us, maybe all of us, have been in times of distress and cried out to God. How often have you done that and how often did God listen? And maybe you would say, well, I'm not sure what he did with my bitter complaint. So maybe you uh, have had a bitter complaint and uh, in your trouble and now you wonder where God was or where he is. Maybe it's ongoing. So what, do we, what are we looking for when we turn to God in that way? And what do we experience? And hopefully, hopefully, somewhere in all of this, we experience God uh, through our prayer, through, through the word, through other people. And uh, these are not, I'm not asking easy questions. I know there's not easy answers to these. And what we experience can be quite varied at times. I know that. But when we pray, when God answers, how he answers, this can be a struggle. And how do we respond to God in his answers, whatever they are? Well, here is Hezekiah's response, in, beginning in verse 9. A writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, after he had been sick and had recovered from his sickness. I said, in the middle of my days, I must depart. I am consigned to the gates of Sheol for the rest of my years. I said, I shall not see the Lord, the Lord in the land of the living. I shall look on man no more among the inhabitants of the world. My dwelling is plucked up and removed from me like a shepherd's Tent. Like a weaver, I have rolled up my life. He cuts me off from the loom. From day to night, you bring me to an end. I calmed myself until morning. Like a lion, he breaks all my bones. From day to night, you bring me to an end. Like a swallow or a crane, I chirp. I moan like a dove. My eyes are weary with looking upward. O oh Lord, I am oppressed. Be my pledge of safety. What shall I say? For he has spoken to me, and he himself has done it. I walk slowly all my years because of the bitterness of my soul. 
O Lord, by these things men live, and in all these is the life of my spirit. O restore me to health and make me live. Behold, it was for my welfare that I had great bitterness, but in love you have delivered my life from the pit of destruction. For you have cast all my sins behind your back, for Sheol does not thank you, death does not praise you. Those who go down to the pit do not hope for your faithfulness. The living, the living, he thanks you as I do this day. The Father makes known to the children your faithfulness. The Lord will save me, and we will play my music on stringed instruments all the days of our lives at the house of the Lord. So here's what he says. God has spoken to me. He responded to me. And here he has done this. He's given me 15 years. I will walk humbly all these years. You restored me to health. In your love you kept me from the pit of destruction. Uh, You've forgiven my sins. Put them behind you. Don't remember them. The Lord will save me. And we will sing of the love of the Lord, uh, sing of our love for the Lord, sing of his love for us. We will, we will praise the Lord all our days in the temple of the Lord. And, and he did, Hezekiah did restore the worship of Jehovah. He says that ungrateful people are demanding people. They cannot receive the good things that are offered to them. They do not benefit from the gifts of grace, but but he will. Um, Then let's see, verse 21, and then we'll read in 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 chapter 39 which is his poor decision. Now Isaiah had said, let them take a cake of figs and apply it to the boil that he may recover. Hezekiah also had said, what is his sign that I shall go up to the house of the Lord? And uh, maybe maybe that um, medicinal, uh, the fig thing, maybe that suggests he had boils. I don't really know what his condition was. But chapter 39, at at that time, Merondach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent envoys with letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that he had been sick and had recovered. And Hezekiah welcomed them gladly, and he showed them his treasure house. The silver, the gold, the spices, the precious oil, his whole armory, all that was found in his storehouses, there was nothing in his house or in all his realm that Hezekiah did not show them. So the uh, king of Babylon uh, sent some people, sent a letter, sent uh, gifts, I think, expressing good wishes to him. 
to Hezekiah for his recovery, and Hezekiah welcomed them, which he should have, but then he showed them all the, all the wealth of Israel. And the question would be, well, why did he do this? Um, why, why did he... What, what was he trying to accomplish by doing this? And it appears that he was uh, proud of all this wealth of his kingdom and wanted to show them and he, he wanted to impress them. Perhaps he wanted to impress them as in, uh, you need to be careful now because we're a strong nation. We have all of this, whatever this represents. So you should let us alone. But at this time, Babylon really wasn't a strong nation, and Babylon was actually maybe as uh, much under the control of Assyria as what Israel was, or scared of Assyria. But whatever that was about, it appears that as a result of Hezekiah's success and good circumstances, he forgot God here and was more... Uh, intimidated by or wanted to impress these people, uh, which is something to consider how we uh, how we live our lives depending on who we want to impress or uh, what our circumstances are. We forget. We forget. We forget who we are. We forget who God is. We forget to be humble. We forget to live upright here in this moment. It seems like he forgot God here. And I, Isaiah rebuked him in verses 3 to 7. Then Isaiah the prophet came to King Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say, and from where did they come to you? Hezekiah said, they have come to me from a far country, from Babylon. He said, what have they seen in your house? And Hezekiah said, he answered, they have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing in my storehouses that I did not show them. And then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and that which your fathers have stored up till this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord, and some of your own sons who will come from you, whom you will father, shall be taken away, and they shall be eunuchs in the place of the king of Babylon. So the rebuke is uh, all of the wealth of Israel that you showed these people, you will lose it. It will be carried to Babylon, and some of your descendants will be slaves and serve them. And now, uh, verse, verse 8 here. Uh, so here is Hezekiah's response. And again, we need to have a Sunday school conversation. Then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, The word of the Lord that you have spoken is good. 
And it doesn't say this quite this way in the King James, but the ESV says, He said it was good, for he thought, There will be peace and security in my days. So what does that mean to you? How does that sound to you? What do you make of that? So here, here is a good man. He is a good man. He has done many things well. But I think you could say, I think it's fair to say that, that here Hezekiah demonstrates in the terms I have for it, I have, he demonstrates a fatal flaw, a fatal flaw. He failed to remain humble when life was good. Uh, he, he forgot God. He failed to make a wise choice. Uh, and he says about it that, well, okay, back up a little. I think one thing you can say about his comment here is that he, he was uh, submitting to God's judgment. Whatever it was Isaiah was telling him, he didn't fight against God in it. So I said, okay, so that's, that's what will be. That's one way you can take this. But there is still this problem that there will be peace and security in my days. And so uh, I think we need to think about what that means. Uh, a decision that's based on immediate self-preservation and not based on the long view. Now I'm older, I'm older than some of you, most of you, not all of you. And uh, when I look back at my life, uh, I would say that I, I think I've made some wise choices, but I think I also can see places that I really was not thinking about the long view. I was thinking about something immediate something in the present, something right now that needed some attention, and I uh, thought about what might be the best thing to do, and I made a decision about that. And uh, I, I'm not sure if we always know in the moment what is best. I'm not sure that we do, but this, this remark that he makes highlights a problem that He's thinking primarily about the present and about his own welfare, and he's not thinking about what will the results be. So here are some summary comments I have. For those of us with responsibility, these verses call us to be strong, tender but strong. 
and carry through on, make tough decisions and carry through on tough decisions. Uh, be people who choose present pain and struggle um, for the sake of uh, eternal values, for the sake of long-term peace and security rather than just immediate. Uh, there's, there's one thing I've learned in life, and that is that anything that you do today to um, achieve peace and rest that doesn't really address the issue that's at hand Tomorrow or the next day, sometime, it will come around again and it'll still be there. That's, uh, that's my own, that's uh, a principle in life, it really is. These verses call us to engage in what is right and true and eternal with more courage to do, uh, maybe you could say, to do less bitter complaining about the troubles of this world, which are many, to be more grateful about the good things God does, to be more courageous about the true and right thing to do. And I know it's not that easy to discern what that is sometimes, but... These verses call us to make wise and righteous choices. And we all face hard choices, we do. Life and death choices. Uh, choices that I think determine what life will be like in the future. Sometimes we don't recognize them as that important or being that kind of a choice. but. And I'm not talking either about us perfecting our choices or getting everything perfect. I'm not. But what is the direction of our heart and the bent? And what do we generally base our choices on? So it's a call here to remember that God is good and to remember that there's a need for humility uh, to remember there's such a thing as right and wrong, and to seek the Lord in all things. Um, <clears throat> and I wanted to say a little bit here in closing, um, we, we, are not, we are not alone in our uh, troubles. So I, I wrote this, Jesus Christ, our creator, came to earth to live with us in our troubles. He was attacked by the devil, tempted by every kind of sin, struggled in deep anguish of soul uh, in the wilderness and his temptations and in Gethsemane prior to his crucifixion and many other times, and he bore uh, he trusted his heavenly Father and bore our sins to the cross. 
And according to Scripture, the risen Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, pursues our hearts and invites us to yield our hearts and sins and situations and independent spirit to him. And according to Scripture, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the risen Jesus Christ comes to us and walks with, walks with us in our trouble. Even if we don't sense his presence, which sometimes, which sometimes we don't, Jesus Christ is with us in our trouble, and he is ever-living to plead for us in our need. And through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ is both in heaven and living within us. He is the answer in our troubles. He is our answer. Let's pray. Lord, there are many things, there are many things uh, about Hezekiah and about ourselves, others, that we don't. We're not you, and we don't know everything about them. But we're reminded that, that you are Lord, you are God, and you are right, and uh, there is such a thing as truth. And, and so, Lord, we ask that you would lead I pray you would lead each of us in our, in our places of trouble and in our places of good times. Lord, lead us, turn our hearts toward you, speak and work and minister to us in each, in each situation, uh, the difficult and, and the good, the okay, the going okay ones. Minister to us, draw us to yourself, and lead us by your Spirit, and give us an understanding of, of uh, what is eternal, and show us how to live in it with courage and hope, and thank you. Amen. <laughs>